Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a traveler and teacher with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plates and on our minds. Here we are. Just hear the sleigh bells wriggling, ting, ting, tingling, too. Y'all, it is Christmas season. <laughs> I'm on Christmas TikTok. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I am uh, itching for um, the Christmas tunes right now. I know. Like they were playing it at they were playing it at the grocery store and I was like, Yep, here You're we like, go. It's time, honey. <laughs> I gotta break out the Christmas tree. Actually we gotta we're this is our first time having Christmas in the house, obviously, since we've moved here in the summer, but there's so many more rooms. I don't know how you make everything mm-hmm. holiday themed. You can't. No. Unless you're mm-hmm. rich. Right. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> In America, it's like, I feel like it's like anything. You're like, how do you do this? It's like, oh, you just have to have a lot of money. Oh, you just have to be wealthy, honey. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, know? I've never had to decorate an exterior of a house. And now I'm like, but I really want to do that. But mm-hmm. where's the money for that? <laughs> right. uh, maybe I'll start thrifting yeah. or something. If anyone has any hand-me-down. Too. Yeah, it does take time. I should just relieve the pressure from myself. Yeah. Well, well, my salty sweets are both both holiday themed. So, oh, perfect segue. I Go can, ahead uh, into it. Yeah. Well, my salty is that the holidays this year are weird. <laughs> like it is super weird. It's like obviously I'm technically single this holiday season, which is strange for me and sad. But then also. I mean, the holidays are weird this year for everyone because of the pandemic. You just can't do your normal traditions. You just can't travel. You can't see as many people. Like, um, my parents normally have a Christmas Eve party at their house, which is like a highlight of the Christmas time. And we can't do that. And, you know, even though Robert and I are separated, I still would have gone to Ohio to spend time with his family Like, I was considering doing, like, the long Thanksgiving weekend to go see them there because I haven't seen his family since February when we went there in the midst of everything we were dealing with. So it's like, even though he and I are separated, I could have gone to see them, but because of the pandemic, I can't because it's just so unsafe and especially, like, his grandparents are so high risk and stuff. Like, it's just... Yep. I just can't bring myself to do it and knowing that I'd be putting them at risk like that. Yep. So, yeah, it's just a huge bummer. <laughs> it's really yeah. sad. And it's kind of been hitting me lately this week. Um, that yeah, it's just going to really suck and it's going to be weird. As per usual, 2020 makes everything suck. And um, <laughs> since obviously you're going through a very difficult time alone but then you add the whole like not wanting to give covid to people situation yeah what and then like how many family members around the world are dealing with this is their first christmas without someone that they lost to the virus which is awful too and i mean people deal with that all the time with losing family members but like this year especially there's just so many more families who are dealing with loss in that way (laughs) Not to mention, even if you have a normal circumstance and you, like, are maybe considering gathering social distancing, there's, like, anxiety the whole day if you're going to spread it. So why Mm -hmm. even risk it? It's, like, it's there's no great situation right now. But. Yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, my sweet that is holiday related is that it's holiday movie season. Ah. (laughs) Are you a holiday movie person? I am. It's, like. Kind of in the last few years, uh, well, that was the thing, like, if we were with Robert's family for, like, Thanksgiving or something, um, they would just, at the grandparents, they would just have the Hallmark channel on, and there would just be Hallmark movies playing constantly, and you, like, 
come in and out of the living room, you pop down for like half an hour, you get caught up on what's going on and you leave and you like bake a pie or like drink some wine and eat some cheese. And then you come back and you're like, what's this one about? Like, which person hates Christmas? Which person, you know, is like trying to leave their corporate job or whatever. And, uh, (laughs) and then, so I'm a huge fan because I don't have the Hallmark channel like at my house because I just have streaming stuff. So the fact that Netflix has hopped on board and like, I think this year there's a new, the sequel to the princess switch (laughs) with Vanessa Hudgens or whatever. Um, I don't know if there's another one of like the Christmas Prince or whatever the heck that one was with there's honestly like, four of them. the pinnacle of cinema. <laughs> I know. And so um I watched one last week. It was like a holiday rom com called Holidate with like Emma Roberts and some hot Australian guy. So that was cute, you know. So I'm just living do you for watch these. Any, do you watch any, like, old ones? Like, for example, the only real movie I look forward to watch around Christmas is A Christmas Story. But that's because my dad loves A Christmas Story, and we watch it, and he just gets a kick out of it. And that's become a thing. Yeah. Um, Robert and I used to have some that we would always watch, like um, Christmas Vacation. Classic. And Love Actually, The Family Stone. It's one of my favorites. Uh, oh, so you you like watch it all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my parents are very into the Hallmark movies as well, so they watch them a lot. And That's they're, amazing. they're so silly. Oh my god! But yeah, so I I like the the cozy feelings you get from those, and a lot of times they're, you know, the ones that uh like the Hallmark ones and stuff. They're not good, but. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> you know, it's just part of the season is to, like, make fun of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And to low-key love it, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, my um, Salty is very first world, but I feel like it's very relatable. It's that mm-hmm. right now, our day, it feels like my day ends at 5 p.m. Because that's when the sun goes down. And then... <laughs> Yeah. There goes all of my motivation to do anything. And I mean mm-hmm. anything. Like, this week alone, I got home, and every day I'm, like, making a mental list of, like, little things I want to do and get done today. And, oh, maybe I'll bring this downstairs and tidy this up. Nope. Absolutely not. As soon as it turns 5 p.m. and it's dark, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm tired. I feel like it's like midnight when I'm falling asleep at like 930. And you're like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. It's so weird. I mean, daylight savings. Can we do away with it, please? (laughs) Yeah, there was a night that I came home from work and like showered right away. And I got out of the shower and it was pitch black outside. And I I felt like it was 830 at night and it was 630. Yeah, you're like, should I go to bed? Yeah. That's like, how I, I feel. I give up. <laughs> I'm also teaching in a classroom with no windows, looking at a screen all day. So that's oh. probably not good for my mental health. But anyway, I just feel like the darkness that is winter in especially the Northeast and in Pennsylvania is very oppressive mm-hmm. right now. I'm, I'm not digging it at all. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be like this for a few more months. I know. So, I don't know. I need to get out of this slump. And maybe I'll just get more accustomed to it, you know. But it's just been, like, one of those things where I'm like, it's dark. I feel like I should just be in bed or reading or, you know, like, any sort of task. I don't want to do it. Does your, like, living area downstairs not have many lamps? Because maybe you need, like... um more light like that so you develop the routine of when the sun goes down and you go light all the cozy lamps in your house and it still feels like like life is still happening in the house you know that's true because honestly we live in an old house there's not too many overhead lights or anything like that so we have to have lamps and right now we Mm -hmm. only have one lamp in our living room and then an overhead light in our kitchen yeah it's actually not a bad idea Hmm. Yeah, because that's something I kind of have to do in my house, too, is, like, make sure when I get home from work, I put on the twinkle lights, light a couple lamps. You know, nothing, like, harsh, but you got to have that 
mm-hmm. cozy glow of some kind of light. Otherwise, I'd be walking around in darkness in half the house. So. <laughs> right. And right now, like, we don't have much furniture, so I don't have enough lamps. Uh, <laughs> the theme of this whole intro is Laura doesn't have enough money for things. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you buy a house. That's that is what happens. So that's true. I didn't think about yeah. that. Maybe maybe I do need to buy some more lamps for the for the different rooms downstairs. Um, but mm-hmm. my um, suite is um, I'm actually reconnecting with my blog again after maybe like mm. three years of not really utilizing it. Um, so I realized the other day that, and we've talked about blog burnout in our previous episode. Um, from last season, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So I took a break from writing on my personal blog, Roman Go Lightly, for pretty much like two and a half years. I was writing freelance for other travel publications, which was fine. And I really enjoyed that because I felt like I was becoming a better writer. But I wasn't connecting with my personal blog because I don't, I just couldn't put my finger on it. Like it was a travel blog, but I'm not traveling right now. And you know, I just felt sort of dis- a disconnect there. So I mm. actually decided like a week ago, I was going to just like close my blog. So right now, if you go to my website, it is like locked down. You can't really see anything. Mm. And I just like took a look at it and I was just like, what, what is it about this that I'm not, that feels like it's not me or just isn't fitting or what? So I took like a really hard look at my blog and <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about it intensely, obviously, but I am finally at a place where I feel excited to write on my blog again because I've sort of changed the direction of what I'm sharing. I'm still going to be sharing travel stuff, um, but there's other aspects of my life, too, that I wasn't really touching on. Um, one of them being food. Hello. Um, <laughs> so I'm sort of taking the time to refocus and like shift a little bit of what the mission is and what sort of content I want to be writing about. And I'm actually really like enjoying it and it's fun again. Um, and I've sort of relieved the pressure of like, I have to do this many posts a week or a month or whatever. Um, but I've been just taking the time to like brainstorm ideas with a new like focus and I'm enjoying it, which is nice. So yeah, I don't know when I'm going to, um, relaunch, I guess, but, um, cause I've also been taking a break from social media and sharing on that. So I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I am going to take this time to enjoy the process of writing again on there and just see where it takes me. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens, but it does feel cool. really good to want to write again. So yeah, yeah, that's a good feeling when you've been feeling disconnected from it for so long. Yeah. I feel excited about it again. Cool. Well, today for our main segment, we have an interview with Sarah Kiefer from the Vanilla Bean blog about her new book called 100 Cookies, The Baking Book for Every Kitchen, with classic cookies, novel treats, brownies, bars, and more. Guys. We had a great conversation with her. She's wonderful. She's a treat. And we're about to get you, we're about to get you guys all excited about holiday baking yes the cookie season which is my favorite season of all time yeah so you know if you aren't already then you will be after this interview yes so So here's sarah Sarah Kiefer is a self-taught baker from Minneapolis and the creator of the award-winning vanilla bean blog Lover of books, poetry, and music, in addition to baking, Sarah became known for her pan-banging chocolate chip cookies after they blew up on Instagram and were featured in the New York Times. Her work has also been featured in Sever, Food 52, The Today Show, America's Kitchen, and more. Her first book, The Vanilla Bean Baking Book, was released in 2016, and today we will be chatting with her about her newest book, titled 100 Cookies, which is quickly becoming one of our new favorites. Sarah, welcome to Passports and Pizza. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Two Sarahs. I know. (laughs) I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I'm used to there always being multiple Sarahs involved. Always more Sarahs. Yeah. 
Although we have a no H and then we have an H, Sarah. Right. There might be an argument about the correct way of spelling it, but we won't get into that. (laughs) We don't don't need to get into the heavy topics here. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So, um, Sarah, I've been following you online for years. I I don't even remember when I started following you, Um, but you were probably one of the first food blogs I started reading. And then I was lucky enough to meet you in person a few years ago. I remember. That was so fun. It was so fun. And I feel like you were such a good sport because I remember when we were out to dinner with a group of us and I definitely got drunk on tequila (laughs) and just like (laughs) talked your ear off. (laughs) I feel like it was awesome. We had a great night. Yeah, we really did. (laughs) That was fun. Um, so you're based in Minneapolis. Yes. And that's where you grew up? I grew up in a suburb outside of Minneapolis. Okay. So in Minnesota, but I've been in Minneapolis for over a decade now. Okay. That's cool. I really enjoyed the city when I was there visiting. It's a lovely little city. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So on your blog, you mentioned that you started it as a way to create like a food history for your family. So can you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, I had baked um, professionally before I had kids and then decided to stay home um, when I got pregnant. Well, I worked while I was pregnant, but then after I had my daughter, I stayed home. And I missed baking so much, and so I had started a blog um, just to kind of have an outlet to write because I like to write too and just put up pictures of it mostly was like kids stuff at first. I had a different blog before the vanilla bean blog oh. and then that sort of morphed into um people were only reading my food posts <laughs> nobody cared about the kids and the other stuff <laughs> so I decided to start a food blog and um and then just realized like my family didn't have a food history my mom didn't like to bake or cook, and so growing up, we had a lot of box dinners and nothing that was like my mom's famous potato salad or whatever. We just didn't have anything like that because she wasn't interested in that. And my grandma's, one grandma really loved to bake and cook, but she never shared her recipes and had done it for her job her whole life and didn't like love it and didn't. I, and I wasn't interested in it when I was, um, like, would visit her or whatever. I would, just didn't care about cooking or baking at the time. So I didn't ask her, like, how do you do this? And so I, and she passed away um, around the time I started getting interested in baking. So I didn't have a chance to ask her about all that stuff. And so I just decided I, that's something that I wanted for my family was, like, something special that we make on the holidays. Or there's just different things that we all love as a family to eat. And that can be passed down. So I just kind of started my blog for that purpose, but it just mostly turned into baking. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a sweet idea. Yeah, that's such a sweet idea. I actually, I grew up very similarly. My mom was not a cook at all, but I was always interested in food and food traditions. And, you know, those like Stouffer lasagna meals are great, but having something a little bit more special is, (laughs) right. (laughs) that's great. Right, so, ours was cheeseburger, uh, hamburger helper. That was like, oh, if no, we had to yes. pick a special meal, that was, <laughs> yes, it's cheeseburger, hamburger helper night. <laughs> well, I was wondering, do your kids appreciate the fact that you're constantly baking amazing things? Or do they take it for granted and think like, oh, God, mom's baking again? Or is your house, like, are your kids, like, friends jealous that you're just constantly <laughs> cranking out cookies and cakes and stuff? It's a little bit of all of it. Um, they appreciate it, but they also don't like it on some level because it's my job. Mm-hmm. And so it's, they want me to just be focused on them 24 yeah. seven, which is, you know, normal for kids. And <laughs> so baking takes me away from them sometimes, mm-hmm. but they love the treats and they've gotten to be really like, I don't want to use the word snooty, but like my daughter will only eat buttercream if it's fresh out of the mixer. She's like, uh-huh. I just don't like it after a couple hours. Or, <laughs> like, Amazing. It it, like just because just they're used to like so much fresh stuff in our home all the time. Yeah. I so can only, only imagine like, <laughs> I bet like if I was one of your kids, 
And I like went to someone else's house and their parent oh, or yeah. someone had made cookies. I'm sure I would be like, what is this? <laughs> you know, like if I'm used to your baking all the time, then I can, I can only imagine the palettes that they are developing as young kids. <laughs> My yeah. son will use it like now that we're all online, like he's, they've been distance learning all year. So Mm -hmm. they talk to their friends online. So he'll sometimes like bring his computer and just like float it through the kitchen. Like today, my mom's making this and this. And (laughs) the little boys are in his class. Yeah, totally. They're all like, oh, how do you get those? I bet you're the favorite parent in a regular school setting. You're like, oh, I hope Mrs. Kiefer brings cookies today. (laughs) (laughs) I do pass them out to all my neighbors, and we do, like, cookie drops to friends oh, now that nice. we're all trapped in our homes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my god. Actually, th- this is a great segue. So um, you mentioned in your writing, and I think this is, like, so true, that baking is such a comfort for people right now, especially in COVID, quarantining, social distancing, and being at home a lot more. So um, why do you think baking is a comfort? And could you tell us maybe like one of your favorite comfort foods or comfort recipe? Sure. Um, I think the process is comforting. And the fact that you're going through this process, but the end results are something that you're going to enjoy, even if it doesn't turn out perfect. Like it's rare when you make a cookie, it may not be the recipe may not make the most perfect cookie, but it's still like you get to eat the dough along the way. There's all these like points where there's something comforting about it. And just, I think baking too, like there's this structure to it that you need to follow, but you can also play in the structure. So it helps like you have these, I really like boundaries. I'm like one of those people who need rules to like keep my life in order. (laughs) So I like the structure, but I like that I can play in the structure and feel safe in the structure. That could be a whole nother podcast. About <laughs> oh, I, I totally relate to that with baking. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to play and, and then you get to eat and like what's yeah. better than warm baked goods. And it makes your kitchen smell amazing. Right. The smell is so comforting There's, and it triggers nostalgia from your past. If you grew up with cookies in your kitchen growing up, which I did. So it's like all these wonderful points of nostalgia and beauty. Yeah, definitely. So do you have a go-to comfort baking recipe when you just like want to feel those feelings? Probably chocolate chip cookies. Like you can't go wrong. You get them quick. I do now always make the pan banging ones because I like those and my family does too. So they're a little more tedious, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm used to it now. (laughs) It's like part of my daily routine, just dropping pans. So. Yeah, we wanted to ask you a little bit more about those. Like, first of all, can you kind of explain your pan bagging technique for those who don't know and also tell us what it's like to have a recipe of yours go viral like that? Sure. So the pan bagging technique um, was based on a lot of people. I discovered pan banging in ninth grade when I was frustrated a cookie wasn't flattening right in the oven. And so I just hit the pan and it made these really pretty cracks on the top of my cookie. And I loved how it looked. So I just did that all the time. And I found out later a lot of women have done that in their ovens, just bang the pan to set the side or make cracks Mm. and ripples like along the top. And so I just always have done that. And I was working in a bakery before I had kids and we would do that twice to our cookies. They were bigger, like the pan banging ones I have now and it would set the sides and then just make one ripple. And then the middle was really gooey. Um, and then when I was developing, I was trying to develop a thin and crispy cookie. And so I had made these really big cookies that I wanted to be flat and they just kept spreading and spreading and I was getting frustrated. So I kept hitting the pan and it was, it made these beautiful ripples in the oven every time I did that. And I was like, Oh, And my husband tried them and he's like, this is the best cookie I've ever had because he loved how crispy (laughs) the edges were. And then the center was so tender. And so I worked on that and developed this technique where you let the cookies bake for 10 minutes. And then every two minutes after that, you pick up the pan, drop it. And each time it creates a crispy ripple around the edge. Mm -hmm. It's a game changer. (laughs) (laughs) And they are so interesting looking with these like wrinkles. They are. Right. I always thought they were really pretty. Some people think they are the ugliest thing (laughs) to exist, but I always liked the ripples. I thought it was really just pretty. So that never bothered me, but some people have definitely told me they don't like how they look. (laughs) 
So what's it like to have that go viral? Yeah. It was wild. I did not, like I didn't, I thought nobody would make this cookie. I remember I wasn't going to put it in the book because it seemed so tedious. And Zoe Francois, who I work with and am friends with, I had brought it to a photo shoot we were working on. Her book, um, she writes the Artisan Bread and Five series. And we were doing a photo shoot for that. And I brought them. I'm like, you just try these. I made these. And she was like, I love, like she loved them. And she's like, you have to put these in your book. So we can all thank Zoe for (laughs) for getting them out there. (laughs) Thanks, Zoe. (laughs) But I just thought nobody's going to sit and do this. And then they just started popping up on Instagram. People were trying them and making them and loved them. And then the New York Times had featured it. And after that, all of a sudden, like for the next month, they were just everywhere. Mm -hmm. I remember like like Fox News and the New York Times had – just like in their like new search, all their affiliates were like posting about this cookie. And there's all these newscasters making like pan banging jokes about the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> you bang them. I remember that was like all, all these newscasters say that. It's so funny. It was just wild. Like it just seems surreal. Yeah. And funny. Was it like yeah. overwhelming at times? Yes. Because there's a lot, you get a lot of feedback. Just mm-hmm. generic. I had to stop reading the comments because so many people react to just like, oh, yeah. this is stupid, or she didn't invent this, or, you know, just like all these things that my husband went through and read all of them. He was laughing. He's like, just don't even read them. Right. <laughs> but there was enough people who really liked them and like mm-hmm. tried them. Yeah. And some people tried them and hated them. And I, I'm no offense taken. It's, you right. know, <laughs> taste is subjective, but. <laughs> yeah. I guess like you're always going to have people who don't agree and don't like it but I guess you just have to remember like this recipe would not be going viral unless so many people loved it and enjoyed doing it so exactly and taste really is subjective and I am fine with that like Mm -hmm. I don't feel offended if somebody it's just not the cookie for them and it's just a cookie like it's not right it's just a cookie yeah (laughs) but I do I do say to the listeners if you haven't tried it (laughs) You got to give it a whirl. It's going to change everything. Seriously. Yeah. And this, this, uh, yeah, this episode's going to come out right around the time everybody's doing that holiday cooking. So look up Sarah's pan banging chocolate cookies. They are amazing. So good. And I do have a ginger molasses one as well on my blog and in the book, which is perfect for Christmas or holidays. Yeah. Those were really good. I do want to talk about your cookbook because we are obsessed. Um, I may or may not have bought a few copies for uh, my secret Santas of my life. Um, So what inspired you for this cookbook? So originally I had a whole different idea for a cookbook, which was I wanted to do like yeasted breakfast breads because I love making yeasted breakfast Mm. breads. And then my agent had come to me and she's like, what if you did cookies? Because it seems to be your thing right now. And mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you should just see. So I was like, oh, you know, okay. Like, not that I don't like cookies, but it just felt like a big task to do mm. a huge volume of cookies. But I was like, okay. So I wrote a proposal and Chronicle loved the idea. Mm-hmm. And there it is. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, and this book is so great. I have it here in front of me. First of all, it's gorgeous. I mean, look at Thank this cover you. with the gold foil. And you've got it's this adorable. beautiful ribbon. I mean, and I know you're a book person, but like, and so am I. Like, this is just like, as a book, it's just so nice. <laughs> I was like, I had nothing to do. I mean, I took photos in it, but I didn't have anything to do with the design. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, you know, I got to approve the design, but I remember when they showed the cover and I was like, oh my gosh, it's yes. pink and it's gold and it's so pretty. Yeah. And even and my he- husband, who like doesn't really care. Uh-huh. About cookbooks, when we got it, he was like, this is really pretty, you know? <laughs> like, he was so excited about it. Oh, my gosh. Well, and that's exactly how you want to feel about your own cookbook. So that's right. great. <laughs> it, it was a very nice yeah. feeling. <laughs> but I love how, so you have um, several chapters in here, and we have classics, and then you have a ton of brownies and blondies, which are so exciting. I don't think I've ever seen so many versions of, like, brownies in one book before. And then you have what you have stuff. to know about Sarah is like if there's two ways to Sarah's heart, it's cookies and brownies. <laughs> yes. And I think I that's for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And then um and 
Oh, yeah. So then we also have more, like, extravagant um, experimental kind of cookies that you can make. And, of course, the chapter on pan banging, which is very exciting. Um, You have other ways to do, like, mix and match, like doing ice cream sandwiches and stuff like that. And then also you have a lot of um, pie bars, which I was very excited to see in here. Mm -hmm. Which are cookies. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually not a huge pie person, but the idea of doing pie bars is way more enticing it's to me. A great crust to filling ratio. Mm-hmm. Mm. I made them for Thanksgiving a few years ago, and I was like, "Oh, this is so much nicer." Yeah, because you can feed more people, and they they feel easier to make than a pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say that two desserts that I'm not wild about are cheesecake. And pumpkin pie. But you have cream cheese pumpkin pie bars in here that I really want. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, they they just look like the perfect blend of those things to me. And it sounds so good. So that's... I, I honestly... This is a cookbook that I just want to make every recipe in it. Like, I don't care if it takes me three years. I kind of want to just work my way through until I've made all of them. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> It'd be so fun. Yeah, can you, you tell? Like we're a little obsessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so like, in the process of making it, did you did you think of like how you were going to organize all of these recipes, sort of like that, or what was that process like? Yeah. Well, when I wrote my proposal, I had to sort of come up with chapter structures. Stuff can change, but it's better if you go into it pretty planned out. <laughs> um, and I wanted it to be a book that a variety of people would like. So I was trying to come up with ways to be creative about that. And like, I felt like for a cookie book, you need to have classics and like really Mm -hmm. strong classics. So that chapter, I feel like I tested the most, like I've made those cookies so many times, but (laughs) I wanted them to like really work and be strong recipes in that category. Cause there's so many chocolate chip cookies and there's so many sugar cookies. So I just try Mm -hmm. to like come up with my very best version that I would all of those cookies I would put in like a gift box for neighbors for Christmas. Like that's yeah. what I wanted. Like these are cookies I want to share. And then of course there's a debate if bars are really cookies, but in Minnesota we believe <laughs> they are, or most of us do some of there's a, a minority that doesn't, but I stand firm behind it <laughs> <laughs> and they're so fun and easy to make. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to include a chapter on that. And I just, I had my, a brownie recipe for my first book that I loved. And so I didn't want to just repeat a lot of recipes because that's, gets frustrating too when you buy a cookbook and it's like, oh, I have all these recipes in this person's other book. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got creative there. Like, how can I make the, like this more than just one recipe? Mm-hmm. So I did that there. And then my dot like the mix and match chapter, my daughter had come up with all of those recipes. She had she oh, wanted wow. to help me make this book. So she came up with a list of just Aww. fun things we could make. And also in that chapter, the quote is Uncle Rico at the beginning from Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. But that's a nod to my kids too, because they're obsessed with Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite right now. And we just always are quoting Uncle Rico. Uh-huh. And every time I when to go work on that chapter, I would just hear him say that quote, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I have to put this in here. That's funny. Yeah, but then like the extravagant up. chapter, I wanted something, if you wanted to work a little harder or make a dessert. Like, I think a lot of times people don't think of cookies as a dessert you would bring somewhere or like have on for Christmas, like besides passing out. But you want like a fancy mm-hmm. dessert. So I wanted to like show you can elevate your cookies to something fancy. Yeah. And then pan banging, I wanted to have enough to satisfy those who wanted it, but not to be like if people hated that, it wouldn't be Mm. like, oh, there's all these pan banging cookies in there. So I tried to like balance it out that way. Yeah. Well, the mix and match quote you're talking about, it says, (laughs) I said the 12 pack, not the 24 pack. You're just going to have to mix and match. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so fun. Uh, did oh, you so nerdy <laughs> did you feel who doesn't like, love that um, that movie though i mean it's so good it is a classic it is a classic um so i was gonna say do you feel like the recipe development and testing process for this book went pretty smoothly or did you have some snafus along the way um it was harder than i thought it would be 
Because I was like, cookies, I can just make tons of cookies every day and knock mm-hmm. out 100. But 100 cookies is a lot of cookies. Mm-hmm. And actually, when I had, I had put the title 100 cookies on my proposal, just like usually the title, your publisher helps you pick it later. And I just was like, oh, 100 cookies. And so I didn't think I was going to actually have to make 100 cookies. I was like, we'll change the title and we'll have, you know, a good <laughs> handful and so they were like, no, we love this title. And yes, uh-huh. you need to have 100 cookies. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, but on a happy face, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my God. You're <laughs> like, what have I done? <laughs> yes. But the title, I love the title, too. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a, a great title. Who doesn't want 100 cookies? So yeah, I jumped in. But like my first book, like I had a cake chapter. So I built all the recipes off of three cake recipes Mm. and coming up with different buttercreams and fillings for a solid cake recipe is different than trying to come up with 100 very different cookie recipes. So it felt overwhelming at times, like trying to make things different enough that it excited people. Mm -hmm. And I had some recipes I could work off of from like baking in my past at different Mm -hmm. coffee shops and bakeries, but I felt like a lot of times I was starting from scratch. Yeah. So that felt overwhelming. Mm. So I just, and so yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most cookbook, like the timeline from start to finish is maybe like two years. So did you have about like one year to do all of the development and testing? I had nine months. Okay. Woo! So It's um, like a baby. It, you birthed yeah, a baby. It was. <laughs> it was. Um, I think at the end I did get a little extension. I can't remember because my kids have this knack of like getting super sick or something mm-hmm. happening every time I have a deadline, like no matter what. Uh-huh. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but that always happens. So I think I actually had 10 months all said wow. and done. And my I did all the photos too, and those were due then I think two months after all the recipes were due. Okay. Wow. Which is nice because I could do them separate, but then I had to remake everything if I wasn't photographing along the way. Right. And I like that because then I could retest things because I like am an obsessive recipe mm-hmm. tester, but it also was a lot of work. So, yeah, I mean, even 10 months, that's 10 recipes a month, which is like minimum one yeah. recipe every three days. Yeah. And like, you know, from the little bit of recipe development I've done, especially with baking, like I will test a cookie recipe like 10 times. Yeah. So the fact that you average like three days per recipe is incredible. Yeah, that's astounding. (laughs) And that's like with no days off. Yeah. You know, like if you're right. Yeah. And I didn't really take any days off, which you can ask my family about. They're like, Mom, can you just not write another book? Oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> wow. So cook, I feel like cookbooks are something really special. I, I um, for a lot of my early 20s, didn't have a good cookbook collection. But as I've gotten older, it's been something that I feel like I am curating a collection. It's like something very special to me, like the collection of cookbooks that we have. So how does it feel to know that, like, thousands if not potentially millions are going to have your cookbook on their shelves like how does that feel it's wild like I feel like I can't process that because there's so many books that are special to me and the thought mm-hmm. of like something that I wrote and developed is just so special to someone else mm-hmm. it's yeah. like the best feeling yeah, yeah it's, it's like a like, warm feeling yeah because yeah. Sarah I know you feature a ton of cookbooks on your blog and again I feel like this is where you and I have a kinship where we have this like not even just books, but especially cookbooks just are, they are so special and you develop this bond with them when you bake from them or cook from them. So it must be so wild to, to process that thought of other people having your book on their shelf that they turn to year after year and it becomes like a family classic. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah, like I said, I can't process it. It's just so overwhelming that, mm-hmm. yeah. and like, as a child, I always wanted, like, my biggest dream was to write a book. And at the time, mm-hmm. it was like a Nancy Drew type mystery book. But <laughs> yeah. yes. just knowing, like, something that was this, like, real desire, mm-hmm. and then it, like, came to fulfillment in a way I didn't know how it, like, processed right. through the years. But it was just, it's just incredible. I feel so blessed. 
That's so awesome. Yeah, that um, is amazing. Well, how did your experience of making a hundred cookies compare to making your first book? Um, it was nice um, having some cookbook writing experience because I was able to like figure out what I did well with the first one and what I did terrible mm. with the first one. <laughs> a lot of it was like budgeting time, keeping better notes, like just mm. all kinds of things. Um, you get sent to sent. Uh, sorry. I lost my train of thought. You get sent um, sheets of your work with the pictures and the recipe on it for you to go through and edit. And so I learned I will bake from those when I get them just to make that helps me like really double check the recipes, make sure there's nothing missing. You still mm-hmm. always, always miss something, which right. is one of so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but like I just learned how to write it a little better. And even after this one, because I just finished writing my third book. Oh. Um, that comes out next fall. Ooh. Oh, can you it's tell a, us what that is? Yeah, it's a holiday baking book. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and then I learned even more from that, like how to just manage yeah. my time better and test more efficiently and all that kind of stuff. So, wow. Wait, so that I'm book's already coming very out excited. Only, <laughs> that's only coming out a year after this one. Yeah, I wrote them back to back. Oh, my which goodness. Which was wow. wild. Yeah, this wow. is another reason why my kids are like, can you just can you just take a break for a while and just be your mom? Oh my gosh, you need a vacation. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. But now we're all stuck in our homes. Yeah. <laughs> oh so gosh. this is a silly question, but like after you're done working, baking, hour after hour every day, do you actually enjoy cooking like other than sweets? Like or is it or is it something that you're just so fried from that you maybe don't want to do that? There was a lot of nights that we ate cereal for dinner. Nice. <laughs> or eggs. Like, I can make you some eggs. <laughs> I do that a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. And my husband, like, he can cook some things, and he's so willing to jump in and help. But I always feel like it's my responsibility still, which we have lots of conversations about because it's not, but that's how right. I feel. <laughs> Or he'll just like be like, we're just getting takeout tonight. Like the kitchen is just right. full of dishes. I'm covered in food. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm tired. You know, just I'm sure cooking dinner is like the last thing you want to do. Right, point. it is. Especially and I like doing cooking. it all day. Yeah, I like cooking, but I don't love it. You mm-hmm. know, like it's yeah. different. Um, it is different. Yeah, it is. So, so when you are cooking, like, do you have a specific savory thing that you do love to cook um hmm. I don't know if I love to cook (laughs) (laughs) it's okay be honest (laughs) I have like a a small book of recipes I've made for a long time that I can make well Mm -hmm. so I just turn to those um like my kids too they just love like I can um fry up a block of tofu and some rice and a quick sauce and they they love just like simple meals like that. As long as there's like something warm in yeah. front of them, you know, that someone put some time into, then they feel like this is a yummy dinner, mom. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of like pasta, a lot of pasta. Mm, can't go wrong with pasta. Uh, no, if I'm going to take the time, I do like a really good roast chicken. And I feel like mm. I finally can roast a chicken really well. Mm-hmm. I like the salted method where you like leave it in the, fridge oh, yeah. for two days and salt it and mm-hmm. and with some mashed potatoes I mean, that's a skill itself. yeah and i do care about cooking like i want to be yeah. a good mm-hmm. cook but i haven't had the time to like just invest in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have some yeah. other things you're doing so totally understandable <laughs> definitely oh my gosh and i would pick chocolate chip cookies over chicken so oh yeah me too <laughs> Hence Sarah's Sarah's blog name, right. Bake Over State. Exactly. Sweets over everything. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, to wrap up this segment on your cookbook, do you have a recipe in there that it's maybe not necessarily a favorite, because I'm sure that would be impossible to choose. But like, is there maybe one that's specialty for some reason, maybe about the way the recipe itself came together or the idea for it or something? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. I'm, I don't, I can't think of a story of anything that's like special or touching. 
Um, <laughs> or, or maybe if there's <laughs> one that like you think like you're afraid won't get enough love, but you're like, this is a sleeper hit in this book that everyone oh. should try. That's a good oh, that's question. A good Thank one. you. I'm like trying to think of something <laughs> sentimental, but by the end, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe my kids will feel that way. I really, I want to know the sleeper so I know to make it next. Yeah. That's why. Okay, so, so I'm gonna yeah, hit us. What's I'm gonna the say the brown recipe? sugar cookies. Okay. Because I, I made them and I love them and then I forgot about them. Mm. And the kitchen is gonna feature them and I had like remade them just to like remember and i was like oh i forgot how how good these are mm. they so have a little a little bit of it's in the first chapter yeah, it's the in classics. the classics chapter i'm pulling it up right now yeah they look really good they have a little bit of molasses dark brown sugar and they just are like just so warm and delicious and they give you the same feeling a sugar cookie does but like mm-hmm. even more it seems to me like they would kind of be like a Really good chocolate chip cookie, but without the chocolate chips. Is that kind of yeah? Except similar? I put chocolate in them, and I hated it. Really? It, yes. Oh, I think it was the molasses. I'm That's not a fan of chocolate and molasses for some reason. So, so you might like it, but for some reason, because I was like, these have. To, that's what I thought. Like, this would be so good with chocolate. I mean, it was like I just love them plain. Mm-hmm. They were okay. so good. Crispy edges, really tender center. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they look great. So I'll have to make them soon. We got the inside, inside scoop. scoop with Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so we are passports and pizza. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what's your favorite Ooh, pizza? My favorite pizza. Okay, I'm going to tell you my guilty pleasure pizza, which is disgusting. But it's Little Caesar's deep dish. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> because around us where we are, we, we have some great deep dish pizza, but not like right near our house. And my mm-hmm. kids love cheap pizza. So we had gotten little, my son just loves Little Caesars. They're regular pizza. Bleh. But the deep dish, it has like the real crisp edges that you want. Okay. Mm. I know it's, I know it's terrible. Is this deep dish like? Is this like a Chicago deep dish or just yeah, like a... Yeah, like the Detroit Chicago. style with the like really crisp like lacy edges. Ooh. They're okay. able to do that. Yeah. I wonder and if they have it near us, Laura. I wonder if I it's don't even like know. a Midwest Little Caesars specialty. That's worth looking into. Lunch size deep dish ones too where you can just get like two pieces. Because I found that okay. my husband sometimes sometimes did that. <laughs> oh. Laura, I we feel, might have to do some research on this. I know. Now I want to I feel, look into I should, this. I felt, I feel terrible even saying it because people are like gross, but there's something about it that's so That's good. Great. We only get it every once in a while because it's so bad for you, but yeah. oh. <laughs> Hey, no shame in the game because Sarah and I have done a frozen, t- a frozen pizza face-off in one of our previous episodes, and the best one we got was like generic, like grocery store brand stuffed crust ch- cheese pizza. Yeah. So good. so good, like, and we love so Domino's. Good. We're Domino's yeah, Domino's. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at Domino's, but I haven't liked <gasps> it since they changed their sauce. But they oh, used to have the oh. best deep dish too. They had like this garlic sauce that you would put. Oh. On. I remember making it, and we when we made it for ourselves, we just like dumped the garlic sauce on and then extra <laughs> cheese, and then be like, oh shoot, we messed up the pizza. Can we eat it? That's what that was our trick. <laughs> that That's reminds amazing. me. Um, Because you've worked in a few, like, coffee shops and stuff, right? Yeah, I did a lot of retail. Okay. And so that's where you kind of first started baking more professionally in a coffee Mm -hmm. shop? Yep. So, like, is that as glamorous as it seems to me? Because I feel like it's almost like a dream to work in a small-town coffee shop (laughs) and make cookies and there's, like, music, you know? (laughs) Like, is, is it that lovely or is that just, there you know, are in my head? moments, there are moments of pleasure and loveliness. There mm-hmm. really are. But 90% of it is a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and it's just like another retail job where yeah. people are mad about their drinks. Mm-hmm. They are mad. They have to wait in line. Yeah. You have a line out the door and you're just working 
your tail Mm -hmm. off trying to get these drinks out every coffee shop i worked at had food and no dishwasher so you had to wash hours and hours of dishes like it's just all the things yeah that makes sense but there's something lovely about the community a coffee shop fosters Mm -hmm. and i loved having regular customers i loved I loved the atmosphere. I loved being able to, I was really like obnoxious about always choosing the music, like trying to get to my shift early so I could <laughs> right. sneak CDs in. We only had like CD players back in the day. Yeah. Sneak them That's in so, so I could listen to my jams while I. I can see you doing that, which <laughs> also we should mention that you have a playlist for your cookbook. I do. And that's on. I you didn't know on- that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you have it on Apple Music and on Spotify. Yep. Both. Is that right? Okay, yep. so we'll oh, link I to love this. Yeah, yeah, I listen to music all the time, and I love promoting all my favorite artists. So mm-hmm. I came up. It's like eleven hours of music or something insane. <laughs> <laughs> what so a cozy cool. experience, though! Like you have your cookbook. For those who have followed you for a long time, they know you. They know your writing style. They're very excited to cook, and then they have the music too <laughs> to go along with it. Yeah, light a candle, it's a whole thing, yeah. I know. I should have (laughs) cookie-scented candles now to sell. That's next. Yeah, you should get into the merch business. I should. Yeah, We should should have a pan-banging candle. I should. You have to, like, (laughs) hit it on the table and it, like, lights. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The the crispy edges, yeah. Or just gives off a fume if you smash it on the table. (laughs) You just you get those on the shelves at Anthropology, you're going to be a millionaire. Yeah, done. Let's do this. Let's do this. Fast <laughs> track <done>. it. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my Sarah, you're uh, like amazing. This has been so awesome. Thank you so much for you know talking with us about everything. We've obviously loved you for a long time, and we know our listeners will too. Is there anything that you'd like our listeners to know? You did mention that you're releasing an upcoming you know cookbook after 100 Cookies. Is there anything else you'd like for them to know? That's my big news right now is mm-hmm. just this next book. Um, and also, thank you. Like, of course, I wouldn't be here unless it was people who have supported me over the years buying my book, making my recipes. I feel so grateful and appreciative. Mm-hmm. So just for real, so much love. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, that's Aww, awesome. That's great. Um, so where can people find you and look at your cookies online? Yeah, so I have my website, which is thevanillabeanblog.com. I'm also on Instagram, which is my name, Sarah underscore Kiefer. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, those are the two main places. You okay. Can find me. Great. And yeah. everyone awesome. should go out and buy this book for themselves. Bake from it this holiday season. You should buy it for all your friends. Anyone who Put loves the music to bake on. and make a perfect gift. You know, for this cozy season, you know, or like I always love to play Christmas music, especially at this time of year. And I've be already baking. started. It's yep. the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, All well, right. thanks again for chatting with us. It was so nice to talk to you. I had so much fun. Thank you. Uh, listener question. All right. Our listener question today comes from Amy Doodle 26, who wrote in last time for our episode. She's hitting us with a good one. Her question was favorite winter cocktail. Mm. Do you have like one favorite or do you have an arsenal of favorites? (laughs) Well, first I want to say that I know a lot of people consider winter cocktails to be like warm cocktails. So, like a mulled wine, a mulled cidery situation, a hot cider, hot toddy. Um, I I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, I'm anti-warm cocktail. Just want to go on record. I don't like warm alcohol. Yeah, I don't like it. Me either. I've tried multiple hot toddy. You know, it's not. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that I can really put my finger on, other than the fact that I just prefer it cold. So yeah. That's mm-hmm. sort of a hot take. I guess you and I agree on that, though. So that's yeah. yeah. I feel like when alcohol is warm, it just hits your throat in a more stringent way, and it's just not as enjoyable for me. I agree. I Ugh. just think in general, I just prefer a refreshing cocktail. So, mm-hmm. my friends, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna put you on to something that's really good. There is a Campari. I I personally have not made it, but I'm in this serious Negroni phase right now, 
but it mm-hmm. would be perfect for this time of year. Um, it's on um, Epicurious's website. It is a cranberry. Um, you sort of use like the cranberry sauce from Thanksgiving mixed with Campari. Ooh. And it's sort of like a Negroni. What? Yeah, it's it looks amazing. So I feel like that would be great. What's if you it have called? Any, here, let me look it up. Um, it is called... It is called Lipstick Memory on Epicurious's website. I don't know why they gave it a name, but basically it's... Um, Lipstick Memory? Yeah. It's a bittersweet, bittersweet Campari with the tart unsweetened cranberry juice. Or you can substitute um, the cranberry like sauce if you wanted to like condense that down a little bit. Um, but it's huh. like cranberry, sugar, rosemary, sparkling wine, Campari... Mm. And um, they have a cran raspberry juice, but I feel like you could probably play around with that and make your own. But sort of like a cranberry I mean, cran cocktail. Rosemary. Yeah. Oh, have yeah. Have you made this yet? No, but I'm making it like this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> to me, oh like my gosh, a you'll cranberry. Have to back. I know, but I feel like a tart cranberry thing is like so wintry. It's not like too piney or. I feel like there's a lot of like piney flavors in mm-hmm. winter cocktails, but. I'm not totally opposed to that, but I think that sounds really good. But I would say my go-to is still like a Negroni or an Old Fashioned, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I I mean, I usually lean towards whiskey, but especially in the winter. Because like in Mm -hmm. the summer, I might lean more towards tequila when I'm drinking. But in the winter, for sure, it's just like whiskey all the time. So yeah, yeah, for me, it's just a classic Old Fashioned... Or Manhattan, or um, I've been loving a barrel aged Negroni because mm-hmm. with barrel aged gin, which is a little more like whiskey ish. So I feel like a barrel aged Negroni is almost like similar to a Manhattan because it also has that like um, vermouth or whatever and stuff. Um, I also love the paper plane cocktail. Have you ever had that one? What's a paper plane one again? I just feel like if you if you take like an old fashioned and play around with like different winter like bitters. So if you have like an apple bitter or mm-hmm. a cranberry bitter or yeah, some, or make some like, like a, a muddled a situation syrup. Yeah. Yeah. So the paper plane is bourbon, Aperol, Amaro, and lemon juice. Ooh, yeah, that's right and on my alley. It's just equal parts of all of those. So you just shake it with ice and then strain it into a glass. Yeah, that and it's great. the Amaro Nonino Quintessentia, which is um, the Amaro I usually have on hand, which I yeah. originally bought to make this cocktail because it's so easy it's so good. You would definitely like it a lot. I guess what it, uh, to answer that question simply, do we just agree that like a whiskey or a old-fashioned Manhattan twist with like some seasonal flavors? Can we Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Definitely. Now I want a That's cocktail. All, yeah. Yeah, like being like uh, the thought of being like cozied up in a really nice cocktail bar in the winter and you just yeah. have a good it's cold drink. outside. You're just like warm, yeah. drinking. There's Maybe a buzz some, of like, people. French fries. Ooh, that sounds yeah. nice. That's that's what I like. I just miss that's the going kind of to stuff a bar. I dream about right now. <laughs> What'd you say? I miss going to a bar. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Oh, just the atmosphere. Yeah. One day, you guys. Maybe one day. next winter. We'll, we'll just enjoy it more. We'll appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, should we move on to recommendations? You read my mind. Okay. Do you want to go first or me? Um, I can go first. My recommendation is the podcast called Home Cooking. Ooh. With Samin Nostrat of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Love Samin. And, and Rishikesh Irway. Um also known as Rishi, who does the Song Exploder podcast. But I actually know him because he was a frequent guest on Gilmore Guys. So that's where I kind of, you know, he came onto my radar. 
So when he and Samin teamed up for this home cooking podcast, I was like, dreams come true. You're like, heck yeah. <laughs> and I love it because it was originally supposed to be a four episode, just like mini series podcast during quarantine. And they've now done like 12 episodes. <laughs> you know, yeah. COVID is not going anywhere. And, um, People are loving the show, so they're just still doing it. But each episode, they kind of talk about what they personally have been making that's really good. And then they mainly just, like, answer a ton of listener questions. And then they also usually have a guest on. They talk to Rishi's dad a lot, which is really fun. Um, but probably my favorite episode was when they had on Jason Manzukas because he is like officially my favorite podcast person. <laughs> so when he was on, I was like, all of my things are colliding. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you love this podcast and you love cooking and stuff, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And it's just, they're so fun and they, um, their chemistry is really fun because they're just really good friends. Mm-hmm. And Rishi loves a good pun. And Samin gets so annoyed with him. <laughs> so, so they're constantly like busting on each other and stuff. That's fine. Good chemistry. Well, I love Samin and I got to take a listen to that. That sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Mine is, um, a hair product, which is the Revlon one step volumizer hair dryer. It's mm-hmm. all over TikTok. And I yeah. was, I was influenced. But this is, this is weird. This is my first, um, brush and my first hair dryer in my adulthood. <laughs> well, let All me tell one. you, the hair is looking prime time on Zoom Woo! right now. Thank Looks you. Looks so good. Listen, it is like, <laughs> it gives you that blowout. I just got my hair cut and I got like it professionally blown out look mm-hmm. in less than 10 minutes. So the idea of this whole thing is you're supposed to let your hair air dry, um, you know, until it's, like, slightly damp. It's not supposed to dry your entire, like, wet head of hair. It's not, like, that sort of situation. But um, it's really, like, this, you know, portable, looks like a round brush, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and Like a it blowout blows. brush, but it's, like, the hair dryer all in one. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it blows hot air out of it, or you can have it cool, um, and then you just sort of start brushing, and you can, you know, there's different tricks, like different ways you can brush it to get a different, like, bend in your hair and stuff, but what I've learned is if you have any, like, face framing, uh, uh, I guess, like, bangs or curtain bangs, you gotta, you gotta do it so that you're brushing front and forward, and then it falls, like, mm. 90s okay. supermodel hair look and honestly honestly my hair is naturally very wavy so I do feel like it's making it straighter so Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily something that's going to like keep your natural texture because it is going to sort of straighten it but it gives it Mm -hmm. a lot of volume smooths it out yeah so I highly recommend so yeah this is on my Christmas list I I need one of these to deal with my hair I hope that I can like wield it with my hair being kind of short. But the TikTok I saw, the woman using it had hair that was just a little bit longer than mine. Yeah. So I mean, and anything's better than what I'm currently doing. It'll so. it'll definitely work. And like the thing is it's a it's a bigger brush, right? So if you have shorter hair, mm-hmm. it's not gonna take long. And for someone like you who has really thick hair, um mm-hmm. It won't take you very long because you're just going to be taking little chunks. Now, if you had your before you got your hair cut, it would probably take you a while. But Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's going to take you a lot less time than you think. And you could definitely use it. Yeah. But yeah, I love this thing. I'm all about a hair tool that like just makes things easier and kind of foolproof because I have never been good at that stuff. Me neither. Well, I will say I think I've gotten pretty good in the hair gene side of things, but... I, like, don't even own a brush, nor, like, I don't know, like, hair product. So this is my mm-hmm. first real hair product buy, and I'm very pleased. So there you go. The Revlon One Step uh, Volumizer Hair Dryer for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is what I need. Awesome. Okay. Well, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining. If you're loving the podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. That always helps to spread the show. Yeah. Um, don't forget to send us your questions on food, travel, anything really, um, to our Instagram at passports, passport pizza pod, or you can leave us a voicemail at 717-964-0215. And our show notes with all the links and details of all the products and recommendations from this episode can be found at our website, www.passportsandpizza.com. And if you want to see what we're up to day to day, you can give us a follow. Sarah is at Sarah with no H underscore Cornelius underscore. And I am Roman Go Lightly. Yeah, so give us a follow on there. And last but not least, a big thank you to Will Gingrich for our theme music. And we'll see y'all next episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Amazing. (laughs) We did it.